I'm Adam Jetson. Welcome to the podcast. Before we get started on today's podcast, let me tell you how to get in touch with us. You can subscribe to our YouTube at First Comes Love. You can also reach out to us on Instagram or TikTok, First Comes Love TCM. You can also give us a call. Leave us a voicemail at 412-568-3763. That's 412-LOVE-POD. And lastly, you can send us an email. Let's talk at firstcomeslovethencomesmarried.com. Mommy and Daddy sitting in the tree. K-I-S and I-N-D. First comes love, then comes spirit, then comes baby and the baby carrots. Welcome to First Comes Love, Then Comes Marriage podcast. My name is Lindsay Jackson. And I'm Aaron Jackson. And we have the honor and the privilege to be here with the doctor. Doctor in the house. Dr. Emily McKnight, y'all. I'm so excited. She's about to drop all the knowledge in this dating game and help guide you into the next chapter. So, Dr. Emily, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to be on with you guys. Good to see your faces. Yes, yes. yes. Congratulations to the success of this podcast. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank thank you. you. Okay, well, tell us about yourself. And then, of course, tell us your love story. I want to hear a little bit about it. Right, right, right. So I am Dr. Emily McKnight. I'm a Christian dating and relationship coach. I'm also a researcher. I date. I date. I study um, sexual abstinence until marriage and how that really impacts dating, relationships, and even after marriage. Um, I'm kind of obsessed with this topic. Um, Let's see, my own personal love story kind of started at like a really um, emotional and kind of toxic time in my life. So I'm born and raised, um, I was born and raised in Los Angeles and my parents divorced and my mom decided to move to this rural little city in Arkansas Um, and so I went out there kicking and screaming in a 10th grade and just that whole kind of setup really resulted in just a lot just a different a lot of different series of you know problems for us Um, as a new divorcee she also suffered from mental illness I ended up in a foster home I ended up in an abusive relationship you know at 14 physically and emotionally abusive and my now husband was actually a guy at that high school that I thought was really nice, really kind. He was like a breath of fresh air. And of course, I ended up crushing on him immediately. <laughs> um, you know, he was cool. He was smart. He was just all these different things. But he was just a really great friend. I think we dated for maybe a couple of months. You know how high school, well, not you guys' high school story. <laughs> no, no, no. Course. I think I got like <laughs> some dating in, but he was always this really great guy, great friend. Um, I ended up, you know, breaking up with him, but moving back to Los Angeles, you know, other toxic relationships. I ended up having a daughter at 17. Um, and so I reached back out to him like, hey, I have this baby. Here's a picture. And then he started writing me back. And so here we are in college, kind of like these pen pals. It wasn't a lot of email back then kind of aging myself but um and we thought about possibly um getting back together but our lives were just so different at the time so Mm -hmm. here I am community college raising a baby he's at an HBCU 
fraternity, having fun on the yard, you know, just, we were just yeah. two different, you know, trying to love basically and me trying to parent, it was just a lot. Didn't have any money, long distance. And so that kind of phased out, but, um, you know, after we started becoming adults and just trying to navigate this life, we were always friends. So we always talked to each other about our different relationships. And then our mid twenties, we really started getting into God and the Lord and, you know, we'll exchange books and Bible studies and Bible translations and all this different stuff. And eventually I called him. I was like, Hey, I'm abstaining now. He was like, Oh, I've been abstaining. I was like, well, tell me how to do this. (laughs) (laughs) So he was just always that guy. And then, um, it was just one moment where he was just like, hey, I think I'm gonna come visit you in LA. And it was just like, oh yeah, I'll host you. I'll show you around, you know, that type of thing. But when he came and visited, it was like high school all over wow. again. Yeah, it was like, there was no time passed. Um, at this time we were both abstaining. We were really, you know, into the word, into God trying to do things right. And I was like, oh, this is something. I thought I was just gonna take you to Roscoe's Chicken and Wobbles or something. and. <laughs> We were going to go out, but this is a whole thing. And mm. yeah, two years, two months, 22 days after that visit, we are married. Um, we have four children now. Ooh. Yeah. And we've been married for eight years. And so kind of rocky, but God kind of brought us together. Yeah. So timing. That's beautiful. That is. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, that's a wild story because he was always there. Always know, so he actually never missed any pivotal points in your life because he was there. Even if he was physically somewhere else, he was there. Just and also, you, uh, I, I like how like they grew independently, yeah. almost yeah. like your own journey. Even though like you saying he was there, but he was still like experiencing his own experiences and stuff like that. Because when Lindsay went away to New York. It was like she was in New York. She had a whole college experience and stuff like that. And I was in L.A. just uh, leading a whole youth church, the most amazing youth church ever in the world. But uh, so, yeah, that's really cool. And he he, did he come to visit for he was just like, I want to see you. Let's just kick it or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I would want to ask them. Oh, I would want to ask. That's that's the follow. Because I would ask them like, "Yo, when you came, he was like, I got to see her.' What was it? Something obviously about you, or it's something that God placed in him that he's like, I'm about to visit her. We about to get something started, rekindled, whatever. Like y'all stayed connected after all those years. That's that's something I would ask him. So how did you get into the dating journey? I mean, the, the dating coach journey. Like, how, how did that come about, your research? Yeah, and so after we got married, um, I was kind of sitting, I talked about this not too long ago, but I was sitting on the floor one day, and I'm just like, I cannot believe I'm married. Like, what really happened? And I just started reflecting, and the only thing I could think of is like the dating game changed for me with abstinence. You know, I kind of went through all those up and down toxic um, relationships to, you know, men were really pursuing me. They were asking me for a commitment. I was saying, no, like, wait a minute, pump your bags. Like, I've never said that before. Um, you know, just with the boundaries, my confidence was on a thousand, you know, it just really afforded me well. And then I'm reunited with Devin and that relationship was just beautiful. Like it just progressed so well at like a beautiful pace and we had a lot of fun he got to know my girls 
it was just the best relationship I had ever been with, been in. And so I was thinking it has to be the abstinence, right? Like what else could it be? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, because I tried everything else before. Yeah. And so I said, I wanted to study it. At that time I had a master's degree. I've always been interested in um, black marriage and the transition to marriage and all that different stuff. But I was like, I want to study this. And my husband supported me and we moved to Ames, Iowa, (laughs) where I, yes, I know. Um, But to study sexual abstinence until marriage. And I just learned a a great deal, you know, and I got a lot of questions answered during Mm. the time, so. Okay, so this brings me to your coaching and how you help women figure out, yeah, like, um, how do you, or you know what, let me back up a little bit because I know, I, I don't know rather, do you help women of like say all ages or is there a specific, like are you 30 and up, like maybe women who are, you know, needing to find a man they know they want to get married or is it it's dating with intention? Like what are your guidelines and how do you help people? Gotcha. And I'm sorry you asked that. I'm really into the data right now. You can tell that I'm no, really the research. Yeah. I was like, oh, I forgot about the coaching. Um, but once I got to Iowa for that dissertation, um, for that doctorate degree, I did say, like, how can I help women? Because I'm going to be here for about five years, but I don't want to um, miss out on telling people about this dating experience. That's one thing that I it was kind of a vow to God. Like I really had a nice time dating and I want other women to have a good time dating. So is it okay for me to talk about this, um, you know, while I pursue this research? Cause it's going to be a while. And so I wrote a book um, about it. And then, you know, as I was getting the book edited and different things like that, people read it, these professionals, they was like, Hey, this is legit. This is like really good. Um, and I remember this one, prophetic her her name is Tiffany Montgomery I don't know if you know her she's pretty big right now but she said hey you're a relationship coach I was like "Ooh, what 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 are you talking about she was like yeah you need to coach women what through what you're talking about in this book I'm like a relationship coach is that a big you know is that a thing I knew about coaches but not relationship coaches so I was like well Tiffany I guess I'm a relationship coach (laughs) And so I just started, you know, making YouTubes and just everything that I had learned during that time. And I also um, invested in my relationship. So even though I was a single mother, I was um, pretty well off financially. I would say God really blessed blessed me in that area in corporate America. And so I would invest in, um, I guess it's coaching, <laughs> relationship education. And the more money I put into these programs, the most often I would be the only brown black woman in the room. Mm. And so I'm like, oh, so these women out here, they ain't getting the information, (laughs) right? Right. And so I always promise that, you know, God bless me to get this information. So I'm going to disseminate it to, you know, like my friends and my family members because they just dated differently. Yeah, yeah. And how we grew up and how we were doing things and it worked and so that is how that kind of started you know what can I do while I'm getting my doctor degree can I give back somehow to help others because legit this was fun you know so now um as a dating and relationship coach I do 
uh, attract a woman who is faith-based, who want to, you know, has a desire to, um, you know, for kingdom marriage, for a kingdom spouse, and actually somewhat believe that she's going to get married. I'm not for the person who just wants to date and have fun mm-hmm. and enjoy her life. That's mm-hmm. not it because this is dating differently. Um, and so I'm for that person. So the age ranges, you know, can sometimes be 18 to 50. You know, I have mm-hmm. a client right now who's 50. Yes. Um, but yeah. What did, your, what did you find out in your research when it comes to abstinence, especially uh, around our, like my age, I'm 35, and you say you had some men on your uh, team, which is, all, that's a whole different story from like men and women and stuff like that. Oof. But what did your, what did you find in your research? Because you got a doctorate and this is part of your thesis, right? Um, yeah. to, just to elaborate, so like our guest, and actually I want to know for myself, like, how does it affect um, the relationships? Um, does it have an effect, or is it like null and void? Does it cancel each other out? Like, what was the what did the what did the numbers, the data show? Yeah, so I found out that there was only like thirteen studies from super early that even touched abstinence. Right, so mm-hmm. just like it's not popular in the world, it's not popular in the research world either. <laughs> Nobody messes with it, right? Then well, I also, first, oh. I'm sorry, define what abstinence is before you go for it, because some of our listeners might not even understand oh. this term. So oh, that's I'm right. sorry. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. A lot of those studies that I mentioned, only 13, they define abstinence as virginity. Mm-hmm. There was only two that said, oh, OK, we're going to control for sexual history and see if there is an impact, implying that a person has sexual history. Only two. And so you have this data that's out there that is making these blanket statements and it doesn't involve people who may have recommitted to um, abstinence after their sexual debut, right? Mm-hmm. And so I let the research participants define abstinence for themselves. And that was basically, hey, I'm committed to God to stop having sex, whether or not I've ever, or not to have sex before marriage. And this is regardless if they had a sexual history before, if they had sex. So we have versions, non-versions. And one of the pivotal um, things that came from my research is that's even if they've been with each other. Mm-hmm. That was never documented anywhere where a couple has sex before, you know, before or maybe having sex and say, I'm going to stop having sex and we're going to commit to abstinence. And so it's just a commitment to say, I'm not going to do it until marriage. I'm going to honor my body. I'm going to honor what the Bible says. I'm going to honor God and we're going to do it. And so that was a highlight for me to do because really that was me and my husband's story. We had sex before. We were young, but we had sex, you know what I mean? Um, and when, and so I was like, where am I in this data? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I'm not even represented here. And mm-hmm. so I'm glad that I allowed you guys to share your story. And that's something that I was able to highlight. Um, so one to answer your question, what, some of the biggest things that I've found is that there's definitely benefits to abstinence. Um, the major ones is that abstinence help you build skills in your relationship before you get married. Some of those big processes they call relationship processes is communication, is commitment, right? A deeper level of commitment. So not only am I gonna commit to you, 
but because we're not having sex, I'm not having sex with nobody else. I'm not having sex with you. So it's a deeper level of commitment and you have a deeper level of trust and friendship. Because you guys aren't having sex, you're trying to find something to do. <laughs> you're trying to stay out of trouble. You guys are having fun. You're going to Axtron. You're going on vacation. You're going doing all these things or whatever. And it's building this communication, this friendship, this trust mm-hmm. that you go into marriage already equipped with. And I think you said this too, Aaron. Sorry, I'm, I'm pumping up your husband here. But he, because <laughs> I told him. He's a good guy. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> he, he said, and I quote it in like almost all of my papers, but he's like, we've done everything. We built this. Like, she's my friend. I communicate with her. We know how to support each other. Now, all we had to do was learn how to have sex. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas other studies talk about, oh, we have to learn how to communicate in marriage. We have to mm-hmm. learn how to be friends. We have to learn how to accept each other. No, mm-hmm. you've already done all of that. So it seems like abstinence comes with all these juicy benefits that people are kind of leaving on a table and hoping that you build it in marriage, you know? And you need that friendship. You need that communication because you're going to have problems in marriage, even if you abstain. Yeah. I don't know who told us that in church. Like, if you, you know. Man, we, we don't even want to. That's, we that's talk a, about that it. is a whole, that's a whole season of a podcast <laughs> about how the whole illusion that everything is just peachy king and everything. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And eight years in and we're still learning. And it's such a roller coaster. But like you said, the foundation is there. Yeah. And so I was I was hearing about it's like marriage is more difficult when you haven't had the history of learning each other first. When you haven't had the taking the time to understand who that person is, understand who you are together, understand how you like to be, how you like to have how you have to fight with each other. Exactly. How you don't like to fight, Mm -hmm. how you don't like to be spoken to, all of the things that you didn't take the time to learn before marriage. And then when you get in marriage, it's super hard. And marriage is already because everything's elevated. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is elevated when you're you're married, and uh, some people are like, "Oh, we live together. We, uh, you know, it's like we're married." It is something about having that commitment, having that financial commitment, and mm-hmm. uh, and being in front of people are in front of the courts that elevates. Like I I always say this about holidays, like Valentine's Day. I don't really like Valentine's Day. But I still get Lindsay something on Valentine's Day because it's an elevated day, elevated emotion day. Yeah. Okay. How has dating changed? What do you think? Because I have a lot of friends that are on apps. We've talked to a couple like last season who met on uh, Bumble, Bumble, or yeah. one of them. And I know when I was younger. They were like, where do you go to find a good guy? You go to church. Why don't you just go to church? You go to church and he's there. But now it's like, okay, there's all these different hosts, platforms and other places mm-hmm. where you can find a man and, and date or what have you. Do you. How do you think dating has changed? Like, what would you say? Where would you tell people to start? When I first started off, I'll go back to 2017 with this dating coaches, new dating coaching. Mm-hmm. I would really advocate a little less on um, apps more on positioning yourself to get out there, going to the grocery store, looking halfway decent. Every time you get out, you make sure that you're on, you know what I mean? Like not like this, you know, but yeah, at least some hoops, 
Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And that makes a difference. Right. I know. The hoops make a difference. They right? do. I don't yeah. wear earrings. I put on earrings for this podcast. So I will <laughs> agree with you in that. Literally, it'll make the face somewhat like frame it. Exactly. But, but you know, just always stay ready. You don't know when you're going to meet somebody. Um, shower, you know, just simple things or wear matching gym outfits, you know, just yeah. don't, you just never know. So just really positioning yourself as if I can meet somebody at any moment, you know, at the day. And also an, another affirmation is like, I attract people everywhere that I go. Mm -hmm. And so if you go out in the world like that, you will start attracting people in general, but eventually men. Now, 2023, Emily, <laughs> I would say this, and I know this is not a faith, you know, this is about love, but yes, I think we underutilize the Holy Spirit mm. when it comes down to finding. Yes. And if someone, especially a believer, is very serious about finding a purpose partner, you know, where you're aligned spiritually, you're going to have to get in tune with your own personal relationship with God so you can know what his voice is so he can tell you, go to this party, go to church, right. sit on you, um, call this person back. It's okay. <laughs> right. You know, just, yeah. As I've been coaching these last, what, five years, five, six years or so, those are the most beautiful love stories. And especially when I got you guys as research participants, you can see God's hand in the connection process. Mm -hmm. It's easier to do it hindsight 2020. It's harder to teach men and women how to recognize that in real time. And that is what I am hoping to contribute. It's not about the app. It's not about where to go. God, it will tell you where to go and where a good partner would be. He will show you a woman after his own heart. He'll show you a guy who loves him and who obeys him. Check him out. <laughs> Check her out. She cute, right? Ooh. Ask her about this. Ask her about poetry. Like, I hear the stories all the time. And so I think we need to ask him to help you find a partner and he'll do it. I, I don't think that people realize that God's hand needs to be on things in order for it to work. They think it's just going to work out like that. It's like, oh, okay, if I, if I do these affirmations and I don't, uh, I just felt like that Holy Spirit part is so integral yes. and people forget. Yeah. And that is a really beautiful because last year I was honing in into the Holy Spirit because, mm -hmm. you know, more for me, the more that he talks and I don't listen, the less he talks or the less I, the more I ignore him, the easier it is for me to ignore him. Yeah. And so, and it could be as simple as, like you said, like go to this party, text this person back. Right. Uh, and it's really that simple. And like being in the church is all like, Ooh, Holy Spirit. Like it's supposed to be some divide. The light's supposed to flicker and stuff like that. And it's not like that sometimes it's, it's really like you know what let me put some uh little lip on and like put my hoops on and go out the door so i i thought that was uh i think that's dope i you know the interesting thing about what you said because this was another question that i had is like how do you know what to ask we had this conversation and we were like should you 
talk about marriage on your first date. Should mm. you ask, do you want kids? You know, and so sometimes if, if we ask men versus women, you know, we're going to get two different answers. And I'm like, but why does it have to be like, men are like, wait, don't say all that so much. And women are like, but yes, you know, like, why does it have to be that way? And men are more so a good friend of mine. She found out that the guy she was dating and now married to um, had a son, has a son on their third date. So she didn't find that out till their third date. And apparently, you know, obviously that's okay. And yeah, that, they're married they're, now, yeah. I think. But, but I, I just wanted to understand when, you, when we were talking about Holy Spirit and, and understanding what to ask and what to do and things like that. Like, how do you guide people to understanding how to even go about asking those questions when's the right time? You know what I'm saying? Like, can they do that even in the first date? I think they should. And I think it's a mindset going into the date that allows you to relax a little bit and let those questions come off a little less interviewing. Mm. And so what I, t I teach my coaching clients and they're predominantly women. So I'll say like, hey, this is a guy that you just met. You guys are just having dinner. You can pretend as if this is just one of your homeboys from back in the day or your favorite cousin and be like, hey, what's up? What are these dating streets like for you? You know, just whatever. Oh, okay. So is marriage in a car? So you want me, you know, so it comes out, you know, a lot easier <laughs> than, okay, so do you want marriage? What about kids? Well, how much money do you make? Oh, okay, and where do you see yourself in five years? Like, just have a casual conversation, but you do have some things that you want to know. Do you have children? Are you in a relationship? Do you even want marriage, <laughs> right? What is your relationship with God? Um, that's a, another hard question, but you'll say like, hey, so, you know, do you go to church? Are you spiritual? You know, Christian? You know, what are your beliefs? Oh, okay. And then you just kind of dig in from there. Who are your favorite pastors? Who do you like to listen to? Where do you go to church? Mm -hmm. All right. And if something like that, Holy Spirit comes up like, okay, Holy Spirit, like, what is he telling you? You know, like, it's an easy way to say that without being really too stuffy. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the things that you do want to know in terms of being equally yoked, you do want to know their relationship with God. And you do want to know if marriage is something that they desire. And mm -hmm. I'm always for those first date questions. It's just the approach. And so now I always feel like you already know this before the first date. So going back, the, no, because remember we said you can Google people now, right? You can social media them. You can search yeah. all their information. And we were having a conversation like, do you pretend that you don't know what someone does? Because back in the day, you'd be like, so what do you do? But you don't say that question anymore now because I know exactly what you do, right? So then do you say... How do you like working at such and such for five years? And you know, like you are, you semi already know you don't need to be a police officer to do a background check on these people, right? Sure. Unless sure. it's a blind, a truly, truly, like a truly, truly set Also, Instagram is fake though. Like that's, that's my only thing. Yeah. The social media, the Facebook is always the good times. It's, yeah. uh, it's me and my trip to Brazil when I had the best shape of my life. Right. And so you can see that the dating app is me. These are pictures that I want to present to you. Uh, and so you could do research, but if I'm, if I'm a guy and 
you know, my goal is not to be married and it's just to date women and have fun. I'm going to present on Instagram that I'm a fun time, right? That's my, that's how I'm going to present on the app. That's how I'm going to present on Facebook. And so when you talk to me and you think I could, I could be like a librarian accountant or something, something so lame. And you'd be like, oh, how's the library? And I could make it seem like, you know, I'm running five or six libraries because, you know, people don't really know people's careers. If I say I'm a chef, I could be a chef or I could be a celebrity chef, right? Just because I I work at a restaurant and one time a celebrity came in and uh, I I made the food. So it's always, it's always, how do you, I'm like, how do people with this research and stuff, we threw the realistic and the fake are like, I want to get past what you're presenting me and I actually want to know who you are. So how do you coach people on that? Mm. It's time. It's time and boundaries. Date. Just go out on a couple of dates. You will learn everything that you need to really know, like substantial, like do you have children, things like that by the third date, you know, but when we move too fast, when we're over each other's houses, when we're sleeping with each other after the first date and you get into this whole Netflix and chill and stuff like that, then you're bamboozled. Like, wait a minute, now I'm caught up. And you didn't tell me this, or you didn't even tell me that you didn't want marriage. Well, you didn't ask because now you guys are busy. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) it's in the intoxicate. I mean, it's intoxicating, you know, you know? And so um, that is how I present, you know, just have the boundaries, go out on a few dates with the person, meet them there. You don't have to move fast, talk, communicate, ask the questions, answer the questions that are asked to you. And you and you can decide from there. So I, I have a I have a question. So you said I'm trying to recap. You were like the two things that were almost like I must know on the first date was are you a believer, right? And are you in a relationship? No, you shouldn't be in a relationship. Wait, look, marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Or do you want marriage? Yeah. Okay. Hopefully they're not. Some people, hey, some people, if you don't, like she said, if you don't ask that question, you should hey, not have to ask you, are you currently in a relationship? We on a date. Look, baby, it is a new time in the age wow. because there's different. Also, like people have, uh, what was on insecure polygamy? Like people, people um, have open relationships yeah. now and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, we're not into that, but people are. And they will tell you on the fourth or fifth date or something like, hey, you know, just to let you know, this is how I get down. Wow. So those are two things that, so are you, are you interested in marriage and are you a believer? So those are two ones that you must ask. Are there two questions that are like, not on the first date, don't go there, uh, stay away from, wait a little bit, let, let time figure stuff out. Or do you have any like absolute like, like backup girlfriend? say it's a hard question I always say don't bring up like money I don't know what it is about women black women these days but they feel like they need to present I mean because we're powerhouses out here we do all the things we get the education we you know um pursue our passions you know we make the money we do all the things you already know (laughs) and so sometimes we present that as like as an interview and this is an interview so I always say kind of like lead with your passions versus your resume your you know how many Instagram followers you know just all that stuff is so superficial so money 
status, all that stuff is out. I would rather know your heart. I would rather know what you're passionate about. And I do want to know if you <laughs> believe in the same God, you know what I mean? Like those type of things. Mm -hmm. So I would stay away from like money type of questions um, and save that for later or status type of questions. And then I also would stay away from those stuffy questions like, you know, have you gone to therapy? Like, what is your healing process like? Like for me, mm -hmm. that's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least third, fourth date. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just there, but not the first date. Like, I don't want to tell you if I've been there. I mean, just left therapy earlier <laughs> today, but I don't think I want to tell you. you know? Right. We ain't got to die. Right, right, right. <laughs> Oh, you know? wow. I didn't even think about that because I was thinking about dating and trauma, especially with women that are older or women and men, I should say, because we're talking about boundaries. But I think about like the baggage that you would obviously have to come with if mm. you have been around for 30 years, 35 years. You know what I mean? So say you didn't, you're not in your 20s, you mm. know, and you have a job and you have other, you might have other baggage. It's like, okay, so maybe you are coming with a little bit of trauma. How do you, how do you handle that? You know what? I don't know if this is even like, you tell me, is this something that a relationship coach would help with like dating and trauma as well? Or is this something that's like, also while you're talking to me, maybe speak to a uh, therapist, a therapist clinical and also god yeah, i mean yes obviously <laughs> <All three>. yeah. <laughs> and some of my clients call me the you know the trio god mm. the therapist and me yes um, it, i'm so glad that you brought that up i feel like that was a holy spirit moment thank you because <laughs> because and i think one of you guys asked me what has changed in dating right this is what I feel is one of those things that God is requiring singles to do before they get married. I didn't hear that with you guys, with the research participants. Most of like the average um, years at the time that I, I interviewed you guys, been married about six years, right? Mm -hmm. So was that 2013, 2014? Something yeah, like that. Yeah. At, at the time, right? Yeah. Now we're in 2023. The pattern that I've been seeing is God is telling you to get your butt in therapy, do some deep healing before I even introduce you to this man of God that you're praying for, this woman of God that you're praying for. You have to deal with it. And I think it's one of the sweetest gifts that God can do for us because it's painful in marriage to say, I didn't know that this was an issue. I didn't know that I made this thing a part of my identity. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that pornography was a thing and now it's a thing in marriage and women don't talk about it but now I gotta say this to my husband you know what I mean it's just yeah. like it's painful right. after all this praying after you know being you know with someone that you love and you feel like God brought you together and then now you have this mirror staring back in your face where you have to admit that you brought in some stuff that you didn't know you were bringing in mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think has changed in this time. And I think singles definitely need to take it seriously. Mm. We have to take our healing seriously before. Yeah. And the healing is like, for me, I think, I think that like, obviously healing is a process, 
right? And so it's like in what stage of the process you're in will tell you, excuse me, how how you can move forward. Like maybe you're not ready to date and maybe you are ready to date, but you're still dealing with it. And then you can admit to that or not admit, but share it, I should say. It's interesting to me because the it does seem like nowadays is self-love first like first you have to make sure that you are healed and then you could go out and love somebody else and back when we were dating it was always um what it's an old church saying it was like the definition of joy is jesus and then others and then yourself so i was always like okay i gotta make sure that you get to god yeah and then you get good with others and then then you work on yourself but now people are like no you need to work on yourself first like you and god need to come together and i find that very interesting because like people are pushing therapy pushing therapy and we're gonna have a therapist on the pod uh to talk about that but how do you get people's mind frame because especially christian women who are like i have a servant you know i'm 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 supporting it i want to be a servant i want to be a helper uh to be like you know what i need to put me first before i go out there yeah i use that um you taught me this Aaron um about the order and I just been using it now that I think about it um but you were saying how it's God and then the husband and then the wife and your children right oh and, the time yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I put that on my whiteboard and I look and I think about like how could I even be a good helpmate to my husband if I'm not well and I remember God just let me over there with my little um, dry erase marker and was like, no, you, your health, your um, your relationship with me, your health, right? Then feet into this category, then wife. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like me over here, like you need to take care of yourself. And this is how I take care of you. It's directly to me, right? So it's my relationship with you, my health, and then you feed back into this family, this triangle, then you can be a wife to your husband, then you can be good to your children. And so how I frame it is that if you're not well, how can you feed into your first ministry, which is this husband that you're desiring, these children that you're desiring, you do have to take care of yourself. And that's not being selfish. That is being whole and well and healed so that you can get out here and do all the things that you're called to do. Your home, your purpose, right? Your passions, all the things. And so we have to take care of ourselves. You know, we just yeah. have to. Yeah. One thing about not having sex before marriage was always, I always saw it as a distraction. My friend, Jason, uh, he was younger than me, one year younger than me. And he told me when we was like 14, 15, he said, Yo, if you get your stuff together, girls are always going to be there. And I took that. I was like, wow, like, that's so true. Like, somebody will always be there once you get yourself together. So why why am I focusing on this thing that's going to distract me and distract me and distract me? It's, it's almost like a, a coverall. It's like, oh, we're mad, so let's have sex because it makes us feel good. But we're not, we're not really getting over the issues that we need to get over. You're saying something in terms of like that distraction. Um, 
and I don't want to take too much time talking about the results. I'm actually doing a little series now that I'm back on social media and stuff mm-hmm. this year about just bite-sized pieces because it's so rich. But one thing I love about the men in a study is that they talk about how the discipline of abstinence was like so rich for them is that they were able to focus on work, work overtime, um, get a degree, start a business. Um, And what I love about that is they say that just a distraction in terms of like physical distraction from, you know, for women, because men are like seven times more visual when it comes down to attraction and things like that. It just is right. And so um, they've already trained themselves not to desire other women like they may see them but they're not gonna you know what I mean so it's like this discipline and this self-control as I hear it a lot with the men that helps I feel will help prevent infidelity in marriage cheat you know what I mean it's just like so much stuff that you can gain that's gonna help your marriage um after and um I'll say this because it was a big finding is there is unrealistic expectations for sex after marriage. It's not going to be, you're not going to be, you know, swinging on chandeliers the second night you get married. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, um, yes. If I can say anything, it is definitely an exploration process. Even if you had sex before, even if you had sex with that person before, that whole abstinence process removes that, you know, um, yes. And you have to add it back in and not bring anything else with you. No past partners, no pornography. Like if you can go straight to, I'm about to learn my husband's body Mm -hmm. from head to toe. Mm -hmm. He may need some lotion, but lotion and feet up. Like you learn every intricate detail about him. And if he does the exact same thing for you, you guys will have an amazing sex life. But if you bring past stuff in or if you come in thinking that something is wrong with you because you guys aren't having sex frequently, the expectation Mm -hmm. is it's going to be a slower process for us to get this going. But let's get it going. Mm -hmm. I'm your Eve. You're my Adam. Let's figure this out and be intentional about it. And so I wasn't expecting that in the data, Mm -hmm. but I want to say 40 out of 40 couples talked about that, those unrealistic expectations. And I said, I guess I'm going to turn into a sex researcher because that person, <laughs> like, okay, okay. Saying it and get here and not have sex or the sex is bad. Like, mm-hmm. I guess I'm going to turn into something else because that really fires me up, even as a believer. Like, this is what God created for us to enjoy and connect us and to just that level of intimacy with someone you trust and that you love and your best friend is too good not to be doing it on this other side. No, but if your expectations are clear that I, this is, I need to explore my spouse and I need to learn my spouse in this way now. And it's going to be selfless and I want to please him. And hopefully he wants to please me. That's money right there. Mm. Like, and he, and it just gets better and better and better over time. We definitely want to make good use of this time and we treasure your time so much. Thank you so much, Thank Dr. You so much. M. For... Wait, one, uh, before we go, you always act oh, I do. so we have to do it. We have to, um, we, we, we need your one jewel 
you know, that you can share. I mean, you've shared so much. Oh, God. Um, yeah, you can say the same thing if you want. <laughs> so that you can give, um, you know, the, the people that want to be married or and or the married people out there, like what could you share about what you've learned, all that you've learned so far? I would say my one jewel would be never give up on love. It's too mm-hmm. beautiful. It's too powerful. It's too much opportunity to just break things generationally through love. So I would say never give up and include God in that process. Yes. Yes. I love this. That's perfect. I almost want to keep going. I'm so like. <laughs> I know. You're like so. Because I didn't even touch on the, like you said, 50, like, because there are, there are women that are like, of course I can still get married at 50. You know what I mean? Like I want companionship until the day that I die. I want, you know, and so I completely understand. Are people going to remarry? Yeah. Remarried or uh, they, they are widower or widow or widow and they, they're older and they want to find love and they want to be absent. And, but they already have six or seven kids. But, but they want to be out, yeah. We have to have Dr. Emily back. Yeah, we got to oh be back. Because this is so good. My goodness. But And or you can tell, you know, the listeners where they can reach out to you. If you're if you're even having a seeing people right now, if you're open for new clients. And you just started uh, your social back on. So, so let, let the people know everything about you. So I am back on social media. I'm even on TikTok. Not sure how to use that yet. But I'm there. All social media handles at love doctor m so d o c t o r e m. Um, I share my research. That's a big thing for 2023, and I will also be helping a cohort of people this year. Ooh, of everything no. that I learned. Yes, yes. I mean, a group like mm-hmm. whoever wants to get in here. I am pouring my heart out for 2023, okay. helping you with this dating life. So definitely. Um, Stay tuned for that because I write, I help, I write, I help, and this is the helping season. So, come on now, that's it right there. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, everybody. This comes love podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Emily McKnight. Uh, take us away, babe. That's amazing. All right. Okay. Well, be sure to stay tuned because I'm I'm gonna recap this episode for sure. <laughs> um, and. Uh, Make sure you follow us, get in touch with us. First Comes Love TCM on Instagram. You can email us. Let's talk at firstcomeslovethencomesmarriage.com. And you can always call the voicemail at 412-LOVE-POD. That's 412-568-3763. Yes. So so see you next Friday. See you next Friday.